Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm gonna be continuing in this series that we're calling appropriately, the new series. And I wanna talk to you today about this idea, this concept of multiplication. Multiplication. You know, it's crazy to me when I think about how this church got its start back in 1983. If you're newer to BC, you might not have known how long this church has been around, but we're pushing 40 years. And so I think if my math serves me correctly, 2023 means we have a big celebration on our hands and we need to do it big, right? It's gonna be pretty cool to celebrate 40 years. And I promise you, we are not over the hill. We're just getting started. And when I think about this young couple that were in their 20s, I mean, I'm 14 years older than my mom was when, when they started the church, which is just mind-boggling to think that this young couple moved back to my dad's hometown with this dream, and their surrender and their sacrifice led to this amazing multiplication that happened over 40 years' time. And it's incredible to think about the countless pastors and countless churches that are reaching the world all over the place, the missionaries that have come out of this church, the countless disciples, uh, tens of thousands of salvations, tens of thousands of baptisms that have happened over the years. And of course, looking at all of you, just the fruit of a life, uh, two lives really surrendered and sacrificed to God and he taking that and multiplying it over time. And so I wanna talk to you about this idea of multiplication because when I look at our world today, especially in light of what happened in the last week, I think it would be easy to think that our best days are behind us. I think it would be easy to say, man, God did some pretty cool things, but maybe someone else is gonna do cool things in the next generation. And I just think that couldn't be further from the truth. I've never, as a matter of fact, sensed more urgency and had more excitement about what God wants to do in the future through you and through me and through all of us together. Multiplication is this biblical concept. You can see it in, in verses like Genesis chapter one, verse 28. And God would speak to his people and he would say this command, I want you to be fruitful and to multiply. And he literally meant be fruitful. He wanted them to fill the earth with, with kids that loved him, with people that honored the one true God. But it's also a principle. God wants us to be fruitful in our marriages. He wants us to be fruitful in our business. He wants us to be fruitful as parents. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply everything that he trusts in our hand. And when we surrender it and when we sacrifice it to him, then he can take it and he can bless it and he multiplies it into something much greater than we could have ever had on our own. But if you're anything like me, here's why I get stuck sometimes. I start every new year with the prayer that God would multiply the amount of money in my savings account. Anybody else with me? Like, I pray that all the time. God, I pray you would multiply our impact and our influence as a church. I pray you would multiply the amount of disciples that we have that are surrendering to follow God. I pray those prayers. I want to be fruitful, but sometimes I feel stuck. And sometimes I get stuck in between my desire to be fruitful in that process of multiplication that God wants to to start in my life. And so today, I thought it would be helpful for each of us as we embark on a new year to take a look at how we can live a multiplying life. And I wanna take a story that many of us have probably heard if we've been in church for any length of time. It's a miracle of multiplication. And to be technical, it's actually two different stories, same plot line, but two completely different moments in the Bible with Jesus' ministry. One of them is what we probably mostly be familiar with. This is the feeding of the 5,000. This happens by the Sea of Galilee. Remember the, the little boy with the five barley loaves and two fish brings them to Jesus and he multiplies it and feeds well over 5,000 people. 
There's, there's another lesser known miracle. It's the same miracle, but in a completely different spot, completely different crowd and location where they feed 4,000 people. And this happens near the region of the Gerasenes. And so what's interesting to me is I begin to read these stories of Jesus and this amazing miracle. There are three things that are present in each of these miracles. And I believe if these three things are present in your life this year in 2021, you will live a multiplying life. So here's the three things. If you're taking notes today, I would write these down. If you're not taking notes today, I would write these down. Pastor joke, nailed it. Okay. So here's the three things. Jesus took the bread and he broke the the bread. He blessed it and then he multiplied it. He took the bread and he broke it. He blessed it and he multiplied it. And so often I think we love to see the multiplication and we love to see the end result of a miracle but we never look beneath the hood. And so today I kinda wanna lift up the hood and I wanna take a look at what makes a miracle. The three things that need to be present when Jesus takes the bread, breaks it, and multiplies it as he blesses it. So before we go in, before we jump into point number one, I just wanna point something out. This is interesting. If you read one of the accounts of these miracles, Jesus did something really fascinating. Before he performs this miracle of multiplication, he has this really big group which, uh, in, in reality, they didn't count uh, women and children in those days, which is kind of messed up, right, ladies? Uh, they, they didn't count them, so it wasn't just 5,000 people or 4,000 people. It was easily fifteen or 20,000 people that were present. So he's about to feed them. They've come from all over the region. They want to hear this man, Jesus. They want to hear him uh, because he has changed their lives. He's raising people from the dead. He's healing people from incurable diseases. It would kind of be like pre-COVID when we would get really excited to go to a concert. We We want to see Elevation or Bethel or Hillsong. We want to hear one of our favorite preachers preach, and we'll kind of do anything we can to get wherever they're going to be. This is what people did times 10 to be with Jesus. So they'd be there three days at a time, and towards the end of this conference, these sessions that just keep rolling out where Jesus is preaching some of the greatest messages no one's ever heard in this room, they, they start to get hungry. And so they're about to go on their journey back many miles. And Jesus looks at the crowd. The Bible says he had compassion on them. And so he says, we need to feed them before they go on their way. And so he enlists his disciples to do something. He says, before I perform this miracle of multiplication, I want you to get them into small groups. Break them into small groups of people. And it's not lost on me as he's about to do this miracle of multiplication that instead of reaching them when they are in the masses and thousands of people, he has them get into groups. And here's just a real quick shameless plug for small groups. We're about to enter into a new semester in just a couple of weeks. And I have to be honest, God has done some really cool things in really big gatherings like this. But if 2020 has taught us anything, uh, we might not be able to gather in the masses for a little while. And honestly, I think it's okay. I think it's actually pointing us to something that the early church did really well because they loved to meet in the temple courts in the thousands, but they had the secret sauce of the early church was that they would meet house to house in small groups. And I gotta tell you, this is just a confession. I used to begrudgingly do small groups for a long time. Uh, probably because I'm a pastor and I should probably do groups if we say we're doing groups, but I would come to groups and I just saw them in a mechanical way. And about three years ago, we did our first house group. It was a young adult group uh, with some of the young adults at BC Boardman. And uh, shout out to the hosts of that group, the Vera Collies, Mama and Papa V. Uh, They might be in the room right now over in Boardman and here in Warren. Can we give it up for the Vera Collies? You don't know them, but you would love them if you knew them. Love you guys. 
They're pretty awesome. They're empty nesters. Their kids are kind of all over the country. And so they said, you know what? We have this season in our life where we have a little bit more time and we have a beautiful house and we know how to cook. So we're gonna open up our house to people that are like way younger than us and we're just gonna pour into them. And they are an incredible couple. And so every Sunday during the Connect Group semester, we go over to the Veracallis, to Mama and Papa V's house. There's always really good food because there's way too many Italians in one spot to not be eating something. And we all bring something to the table, but here's, here's the real cool part. We go around the circle and we talk about the highs in our week and the lows even. What, what did we go through that was challenging? What did we go through that was difficult? I watched God do something. It's amazing. Anybody that's been in a connect group, you start out the semester and you don't know some of these people. And by the end of the semester, you're thinking, how did I ever not know these people? I can't remember a time when they weren't in my life. And I'm telling you, God changes your heart. And I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know this. If you've never tried it before, this is something that can change your life in a way that no service ever could. And it's amazing to gather in the masses in service, but the greatest growth you're ever gonna experience personally is in groups. And so that's my shameless plug for groups. I think oftentimes when God wants to do big things and miraculous multiplication first, he breaks us into smaller groups of people so that we can do life with each other. Now, here's the first thing Jesus did. He took the bread and he broke it. Now, here's a confession. I have to confess this. So often in my life, I like the multiplication more than I like maturity. I like the blessing way more than I like the brokenness. I just do. I remember when I was a young pastor, I'm coming up on 15 years of being a pastor, and I remember praying these prayers as a young pastor. God, make us grow. God, I wanna be bigger. And any pastor that tells you they've never prayed that prayer, they lying, right? Because like everybody that puts their heart and soul into something. They want it to be successful. They want to reach a lot of people. I might've thought my heart was pure in that, and maybe it was, but now as I look back, I'm so thankful that God did not grant me the wish to that prayer. I'm so thankful that God didn't give me that multiplication because I don't think my maturity had caught up with it, and I don't think I would've been able to handle it. Sometimes we're praying for a marriage, and God says, oh no, I ain't gonna do that to your spouse. You need to mature a little bit. You need to get a J-O-B. Anybody ever read the book of jobs, right? Oh God, give me a business. Yeah, but maybe God's saying, first you just need to become a good employee. First you just need to be faithful with somebody else's stuff. And then maybe I'll trust you with, someone, with, with something of your own. But God loves to bless broken things. That's why I love it. At each campus today, we, we prayed that prayer in that song, New Wine. We said, in the crushing and in the breaking, God, you're making new wine. God blesses broken things. And sometimes I'm convinced of this in, in my life, just as a personal example. I think that God, before he could ever break some growth barriers in our church, he had to break through some barriers in my heart. Let's make it personal. Maybe God needs to break you before there can be a breakthrough. Because God blesses broken things. Let me say it another way. Sometimes subtraction comes before multiplication. Sometimes subtraction comes before multiplication. You know, God is called a gardener in the Bible. And gardeners that are really good at making fruit, they, they do one thing really well. They prune. Every good gardener is good at pruning. And pruning is never pretty. It's not fun. It feels like you're cutting things away, so it feels like backward progress. But sometimes God has to cut back in your life so you can move forward. Sometimes less is more. John 15, 2, Jesus speaking of his father, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes 
so that it will be even more fruitful. I can't tell you how many people will tell me this when they decide to follow God. Joe, back when I was a heathen and I could care less about God, my life was great. There were no problems. Everything worked perfectly. And the minute that I decided to follow Jesus, all hell broke loose. Anybody ever felt that way? My goodness. But listen, can I just tell you congratulations? Because when you feel things getting cut away and you feel broken, this is actually proof positive that God is trying to work a blessing in your life. Because sometimes he's got to break you before there can be a breakthrough. And God might not always cause everything we experience in our life, but he can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes less is more. So this is my encouragement to you as we head into 2021. Can you, can you commit to embrace brokenness? And I've been praying that a lot in my time with God as we walk through this fast. If less is more, what would my prayer be? God, I pray that there would be less of me and more of you. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. God, let there be less of my pride, less of my selfish ambition, less of my insecurity, less of me and more of you. Because God blesses broken things. I'll prove it to you. This is Psalm 51, 17. David speaking. David says this, the sacrifice you desire is what? It's a broken spirit. And you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Now, I think it's interesting that David uses the word sacrifice. And if I could just give a commentary on the world that we live in, the day and age of 2021, sacrifice is not really a term we use a whole lot. It's not something our culture likes to talk about. And I've seen this 2020 mindset emerge, and I'll use 2020 because really we had no choice but to do some of these things while we went through the quarantine and I think there's some good things that have emerged from 2020. I think it's good that we spent more time with our families and our kids. I think it's good that we slowed down a little bit. But I also think there's some things that are better left in 2020. Can I get an amen? Like, I think some things need to be left in last year. So here's a 2020 mindset. Like I said, we didn't have a choice at first to think this way, but why would I go to a theater and spend $75 on Sour Patch Kids and popcorn when, when I could have that movie streamed right to my TV? When I could have it come right to my iPad or my phone, why would I sacrifice and go to the movie and be uncomfortable and be around a bunch of people breathing their hot breath on me when I could just have it come to me? How about restaurants? I mean, why would I go to a restaurant, get around a bunch of people, wait in a line when I could pull out the DoorDash app and I could have it in 55 to 75 minutes, right? You always wonder, there's such a wide range of time, 55. DoorDash, get with it, okay? Just anyways, I digress. But we've removed sacrifice from our terminology, from our vernacular. And, and here's what I'm noticing. If I could make an observation about our culture, 2020 didn't create it. It just intensified, right? It accelerated this mindset. We love to value convenience over our convictions. Or another way to say it is we love connection without commitment. And so we live lives that have very little sacrifice, Let's think about this. I know no one in this room would know what Tinder is. We're all way too holy to know about Tinder. But for those of us that are watching online that might know about Tinder, what is Tinder, this dating app? Well, it's a connection without a commitment. Why would I walk the aisle in holy matrimony if I could just have a hookup whenever I want? And I have what I want today, and then I move on to the next person. I get what I want from them, but I don't want to have to sacrifice in that relationship. What is Tinder? It's sex without sacrifice. 
It's the same thing with pornography, right? Let's just be honest. Pornography is a connection without a commitment. And you know what happens? The more we live this way, the more we live sacrifice-free lives, the less we're able to multiply. Think about this. I really, I think there's a connection here. Is it any wonder that there is an epidemic with young men, I'm talking in their, in their teens, in their 20s, that are addicted to pornography, connection without a commitment, and they're no longer able to multiply. They can't procreate. They're, it's literally, they're more in love with their computer than they are with their wife, and they're not able to multiply. And so here's, here's my concern and my fear as a pastor and just as a fellow follower of Jesus. It's one thing to have these things happening in the world around us, and I'm not saying all of it is inherently bad. What I'm afraid of is that it's starting to seep into the church. And it might even be unfair to say it's seeping into the church. I think it might be permeating the church. I think the church might be overtaken by this idea that I'm going to approach God in my relationship with him and his church, and I will elevate convenience over conviction. And I will come to him, and I want to have a connection, but I don't want to have a commitment. And here's why that's a problem. It's because anything that is of value comes at a cost. If God's gonna call you to something great, it will cost you greatly. In multiplication, sacrifice is the secret to multiplication. That might be something to write down. Sacrifice is the secret to multiplication. I'll prove it to you. This miracle of multiplication could have never happened if this little boy didn't sacrifice. If he didn't sacrifice his five loaves, they couldn't have fed the 5,000. How about all the mamas in the house? You could have never multiplied your children and made more babies if you weren't willing to sacrifice your body and your comfort to produce them, right? Sacrifice is the secret to multiplication. So if we live in a culture that's trying to remove that, then we're in trouble. And I want to talk today just for a few minutes about how we can build sacrifice back into our life so we can live a multiplying life because God blesses broken things. David knew this well. There's this moment in 2 Samuel 24 and David has done something that displeased God. And so he wants to build an altar to sacrifice to God and to repent. And he discovers that what he's gonna to need to do is to buy some land to do it. And so he has a friend. His friend says, I have a plot of land. And David says, I'd like, to, I'd like to purchase that plot of land from you. And the friend knows it's gonna be for a sacrifice to God. So the friend says, I'll give it to you for free, which was noble. And David probably could have received that. But listen to what David says, 2 Samuel 24, 24. But David answered, no, I have to pay you what they're worth I like this part. I can't offer the Lord my God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. I think it would be easy in today's day and age as a pastor and as a church to lower the bar of a believer, to just lower the standard of what it looks like to be a disciple. But the only problem with that is that Jesus already set the standard. He said, if you wanna be my disciple, if you wanna be my follower, you have to daily deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. And so here's, here's the thing. When we hear cross, we think jewelry. When they heard cross, they thought death. And so really what Jesus was saying is, I want you to come and die so you can really truly live. This is what a discipleship life looks like. So here's our prayer. Pastor Joe and Gina, me, all of our staff and our leaders, our dream teamers, we are constantly on our face before God, asking God to help, help us to lead you in a life of surrender and sacrifice. Because 
Discipleship minus denying yourself isn't discipleship at all. It's a hollow representation of what it was ever meant to look like to be a follower of Jesus. I love this other moment in David's life. He's coming back to the city of Jerusalem after many years of not having God's presence there, the Ark of the Covenant. If you're new to the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant in the first part of the Bible, it was a box that contained the very presence of God. So you have to imagine this was a pretty big moment because for a long time it hadn't been there in Israel. And so David leads this eight mile procession. It was a victory procession. It was a celebration. And get this, David was so excited, so jubilant about bringing God's presence back into his life, back into his kingdom, back to his subjects, that he decided he was gonna offer a sacrifice every six steps along the way. Which sounds crazy. Let me break it down for you though. I did the math just so you could see how crazy it truly is. Eight miles equals 14,000 steps roughly. You know how many sacrifices that equals if they offered up a sacrifice every six steps? 2,347 sacrifices. And man, that seems extreme. And sometimes I think when a disciple decides to live a life of sacrifice, we have to recognize that there are gonna be people around us that don't understand it. There are gonna be people around us that might even judge us for our sacrifice. Guess who did it in David's case? His own wife. He's coming into the city. He's so excited. He's got God's presence and he's dancing up and down the streets. Anybody that's been saved and you're extra sanctified, you remember the song, I'll become even more undignified than this, right? He's dancing so much that some of his clothes fall off, his outer garments fall off. And his wife, Michael, she's watching from the window in the palace and she is judging his worship. She can't understand why he would sacrifice. But if if I could look beneath the surface, and I could just read what's going on in David's heart. Here's what I can tell you David is thinking. Y'all don't know where I've been. You don't know what God has rescued me from. You don't know how God has raised me up from the pit of despair. He, he found me in, in a pasture on the backside of Bethlehem, and nobody knew my name, but he called me. And then I was chased through the desert by my boss who tried to kill me, but I honored him, and God blessed me. And now I can't help but celebrate because I've been chosen to be in the presence of the king. How could I come to God's house empty-handed? This is what David is thinking. This is what I pray Believer's Church would be like. It's just every six steps, it's just, it's a cadence of giving. It's almost like every week, you know, just every six days, every seven days, I'm just stopping and I'm turning back and I'm just thanking God for how good he's been to me. I'm just thanking God for how faithful he's been to me. This is why so many countless people can come to God's house and they can serve here as a part of our dream team. Because really what they're saying is, God, I'm not much and I I don't have much to give, but man, I love people and I can greet them at a door and I can wear a green shirt. I'm not gonna come to God's house empty-handed. I'll just give them what I have in my hand. Oh God, I'm not real handy with the screwdriver, but I can put a few words together. So I'll stand up on a stage and encourage some people and make a fool out of myself and love people with the gift you've given me. Oh God, I, I'm, not, I'm not real great with technology, but I can sing, so I'm just gonna pick up a microphone and I'm gonna live a holy life and worship you during the week and let the overflow of that bless people on the weekend. Oh God, I, I'm more of an introvert, but I love technology, and so I'll get behind a computer and click some buttons and put some slides up there and love you in that way. And it's just saying, God, I refuse to come to your house empty-handed because you've been so good to me. So here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to get super practical, and I'm going to preface this next part of my message by saying a couple things. This has been a really difficult year. And um, 
even in the last month, I can just tell you, we have lost four people that were members of our church that I deeply loved and dearly loved. We've lost them to COVID. And so we've, we've buried people from believers that we love with all of our heart. And whether they died from COVID or with COVID, none of that matters. If COVID didn't exist, we'd still have them here. Do you know what I mean? And so we feel your pain. I know there are so many people that would love to be here right now, but you are immune compromised and you can't. Or you're taking care of a parent weekly and you just can't, you can't expose them. And so I get all of that. I just want you to hear that before I say anything I'm about to say. This has been a crazy year. But here's, here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk to two different groups of people. One, I wanna talk to the people that are at home and I wanna give you kind of a litmus test and I wanna ask you some questions and this would be great for you to put in your notes app or write it on a piece of paper and just, I want you to pray over these questions in the next week. But this is a litmus test to see if you're living the life of a disciple. You ready? So let's start first. We're gonna to talk to those people who are watching from home I've talked to so many of you every week and you wish you could be here, but you can't. So if you feel God leading you to stay at home during the season, here's question number one. How am I sacrificing for God's kingdom during this season? If sacrifice is a part of serving God, if sacrifice is a key component of being a disciple of Jesus, how am I building sacrifice into my everyday life? I just want you to wrestle with that question. How about this? Uh, am I fulfilling God's mandate to be in biblical community? And I know, man, I know, I've heard so many people say, I can't do one more Zoom. I will lose my mind. I can't do one more Zoom session. And I get it. We spend all week at school on Zoom and then we're in connect groups with Zoom. But, but listen, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, a, a year ago, we thought this would last two weeks. Y'all remember when we were talking optimistically? This will be three months and we're, we're on to the other side of this. We're almost a year into it. Let me ask you something. Maybe, maybe the vaccine will take care of it in six months. But what if it goes two years? What if it goes three Here's my concern that if you are not able to be here and the most that you are getting is a weekly checkup on, online and watching a service, you are gonna die on the vine. We have to be committed to gathering with people, even virtually. We've gotta work to building that into our life. All right, here's another question. Am I serving others? Maybe I can't physically attend and greet people or, or serve in the lobby, but here's a great question you could reach out and ask your team leader. Hey, I can't come in right now physically, but how can I serve others right now from where I am? Maybe there's a widow that's shut in. Maybe there's a family that's sick and they can't physically come. And man, they're lonely and they could use somebody to just check up on them. They could use somebody to make them some meals. Maybe when you bake and people eat your food, they feel closer to Jesus. And this would just be a great way to minister to them. Just how can you serve people right where you are with what you have? Here's another one. How about, am I giving? Am I giving? So, so often uh, for American disciples in the American church, we kind of just tip God. When, when we're in the house, we throw him a little bit, but we're not consistently giving. And I mentioned this in the offering today, Pastor Joe might have as well. I can, I can say with great joy that God took care of us in 2020 and so many people gave generously and we ended the year with a balanced budget. And you can know, I just want you to know this uh, for, for your sake and for your conscience. If you give more, I don't get more my pay is set. Pastor Joe's pay is set. Our staff's salaries are set. This is between you and God. Here's something that might help your conscience. I don't want to know what you give. Pastor Joe and I and the leaders here, we don't know what you give. So I'm not cheering you on when you gave more or upset with you when you give less. Here's why. I don't want to see you in the lobby and see a number over your head. I just want to love you and pastor you and disciple you for who you are. 
And so this is just between you and God. But when you look at your life, do you see patterns of sacrifice? Do you see patterns of giving, even when it comes to practical things like giving to God's church? All right, so I talked to that group. Now, I wanna talk to another group here. These are the people that maybe you're healthy, uh, you're not immune compromised, and you're not currently attending church. Can y'all promise you love me before I go into this next section? Can I just get a commitment out of you that you love me? Okay. If I'm healthy, I'm not immune compromised, and I'm not currently attending church, here's the question. Am I holding to that same standard in every area of my life? Because let's be honest, I know some people that they will risk it to get the cinnamon butter biscuits at Texas Roadhouse, but they won't risk it to come to God's house. Remember, I live in this community. I go to the grocery store. I see y'all there. I see you at Walmart. I'm just half messing with you, but I'm also, I'm just, I'm pushing down a little bit because I think we are risking it in every other way. I see you on Facebook. We still, we found a way to risk it to go to Disney this year. We found a way to risk it to go on vacation and to do the other things. But I wonder where is that same desire and that same drive to risk it to come to God's house? There are places in foreign countries right now where if you are identified as a Christian, you get thrown into prison. I read stories about it every week. Where's that urgency? Where's that sense of determination? I've got to get to God's house because he's done so much for me. All right, let me flip the coin one more time. This is for everybody that's in the room at each campus, all right? You promised you loved me. You can't take it back now. On the other side of the coin, let me ask you this. What if the most that God is asking you to do is to wear a mask? Now, I'm not mask shaming you right now. We're kind of in a socially distant setting. We've kind of made it to our seat. But I can't tell you how many people that I love, they love Believer's Church. They are members here committed through and through. They give, they sacrifice, they serve, and they can't come right now. I talked to a couple this weekend. They both uh, got the news that they had cancer in the same year, married couple. And they love Believer's Church. They love God. And they are watching online like crazy. And so many people have told me, hey, I came back to services and it made me uncomfortable because I'm getting around a lot of people that I love, but none of them have masks on and they're getting super close to me. And it could end it for me, you know? Like that's a real concern for them. And so I just want to say this. This is not about the science, all right? I'm kind of questionable on the science of do masks really protect? I don't know. So... Let's just eliminate that. What if it's not so much about the science? What if it's more about the sacrifice of loving your brother and your sister so that they can come and worship God and serve him through a pandemic? This is, this is really when the rubber meets the road. I was talking to my parents about this and the younger me, I just had all these ambitions and these desires. Man, I'd love to speak at conferences someday. I'd love to speak to lots and lots of people and do really big things. And the more that I've, I've served in this church, God's just placed a burden in a heart in, my, in, in, a heart in me that says, man, I want to serve and spend the rest of my life pastoring and shepherding the people of Northeastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. And so I'm just trying to speak as a shepherd right now. And I would way rather have an awkward moment with you now so that when you meet Jesus and you stand face to face with God, it's not awkward on that. That day. Can we all just give it up that we are a part of a church that loves you enough to maybe kick us in the rear in the best way possible? All right. End. Done. All right. Number two. So Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and then here's the cool part. He blessed it. He broke it, and then he blessed it. There's a paradox in, in giving to God and, and trusting God. The, the paradox is that, that when I give it, it looks like less. But the cool thing is that when, when it looks like less, I'm actually making room for more. 
This is what the widow of Zarephath did. She had just enough oil and just enough flour to make one final cake during a famine. And she was gonna feed her and her son and they were gonna die. But God sends the prophet along to her. And of course, God asks her for that one last cake. And she says, God, this is all I have. And God says through the prophet, that's all I need. And so she goes and she prepares the flour and the oil. And when she puts God first and feeds God's man, the man of God, guess what happens? Then she never runs out of flour and she never runs out of oil for two years until the famine is finished. Because when we put God first, he makes the rest go further. Maybe you could say it this way. He can bless you with less. He can bless you with less. And our fear is I better hold on to what I have or I won't have enough. This is what the disciples were thinking in Matthew 15, 33. His disciples answered, where could we get enough? Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? This is always the question. It was a question 2000 years ago. It's a question in 2021. Where could I get enough resources? Where could I get enough time? God, I'd love to serve you, but I don't have time. God, I'd love to give, but I don't have enough money. Where could we get enough? but God can bless you with less. I wanna just inspire you with a really cool example. This is a, a real member, one of my friends that's here at BC Warren. His name is Dave Taylor. He's in the room here today and he's a pretty awesome dude. And one of the things that I've, I've watched uh, in, in his life is how he's begin to surrender and to sacrifice to God. If you ever wanna hear his story, just go on our BC app uh, and look at the video section and just look for Dave's story. It's incredible. I think about, Five or six years ago now, uh, we, we shared it at Easter and 230 plus people were baptized in one weekend's time as a result of David saying, I'm gonna be baptized. It was an incredible thing. But God works in layers on all of us and God's beginning to work with Dave. And so by his own admission, he gave me permission to share this. He said, you know, I went many years of my life and I, I earned a six figure income. He owned a business that was successful. But he said, you know, I never really tied to God. I didn't, I didn't see that as important. And he said, I always had a lot of money but I was always tight because whatever I wanted, I would just spend it. So he had four motorcycles and if, if he wanted a toy, he would go get it. He had all kinds of different things that he would sacrifice his income to get. Well, he sold his business and by this interesting sequence of events, he ends up working at the church. Now he works in our maintenance department. He's a janitor and it's crazy because I can tell you this, he ain't making six figures, I'll tell you that much, but but he's right in the center of God's will. And he'll tell you, Joe, I, I never saw myself cleaning toilets. I used to tell people what to do. I was the boss, but I feel so much purpose and so much joy when I'm here. And I know this won't be forever, but this right now is where God wants me. And so I pray I'm doing the story justice, but God began to deal with him. I want you to tithe. I want you to give me the first 10% of anything that you earn. And he's thinking, you gotta be kidding me, God. He literally told me, I have more bills than I have income right now. That's, that was the reality of his situation. But he heard God say, put me first and I'll take care of the rest. I'll make the rest go further. So he starts tithing and he said, every month is like a miracle. All of my needs are met. God makes the rest go further. I don't even know where it's coming from, but it's coming from every different source you can imagine. He said, there's this person that works with my brother and, and they called me up and they said, I heard you drive truck. Could you in your spare time drive for us? We wanna pay you $37 an hour. Now I can tell you he doesn't earn $37 an hour at BC. But he said, he said sure, I, yeah, I could do that. I could for sure drive truck. And 
just God starts pouring miracle after miracle. There was another person that he had owed $5,000 and he was paying that back. And out of nowhere, he didn't ask them. He didn't beg them. He planned on paying them. He said, they called him and said, God told me to cancel your debt. And he said, at first I I didn't want to receive it. And they said, no, you don't understand. God told us to cancel your debt. You don't owe $5,000 anymore. He was, uh, he was trying to make some things uh, close up from his business that he had sold. And over the last 30 days, just the last 30 days, he's had $30,000 come in from different places within his business that he sold. His wife had a $17,000 check that came from a job that she worked 20 plus years ago, didn't know that it was coming, wasn't praying for it, wasn't asking for it. And I could go on and on and on. And here's what David discovered. in God's hands is way better than 100% in my hands. And if I can just sacrifice and surrender what I have in my hands instead of holding on to it, then I live a life with an open flow. And so many Christians, we hold on to what we have and therefore we can't receive anything because our hands are closed. But if we could just live an open life and say, God, I surrender and this isn't mine anyways and you've entrusted so much to me and given so much to me, so I'm just gonna live my life with an open flow. And as I give, here's the cool part, my hands are open to receive. And we don't give to get. I like to say it this way. God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. He blesses us to raise our standard of giving. And so David's telling me now, I'm excited because God's challenging me to tithe 15 and 16% this year. And he said, the old me would have said, you're crazy. I'm not doing it. But he's like, I'm kind of like excited to see what God does next. And I don't know what God's asking you to do, but can I just tell you something? He can bless you with less. When we allow God to take what we have in our hands, like the boy did, give him the bread and break it, then he can bless it. So as we come to a close here, I think so many of us are probably thinking at every campus and Boardman, Warren, online, you're probably thinking, Joe, I'd love to do this, but I just don't know where to start. Where do I start? And I love Jesus' question in Matthew 15, 34. He asked this of the disciples. He says, how many loaves do you have? I like that. So let me, let me say it this way. If you want to see God multiply and move in your life, start with what you have. Start with what you have. The boy had five loaves and two fish. So he started what, with what he had, entrusted it to God's hands, and God did the rest. He blessed him. So what do you have in your hands? You know, my parents, when they started tithing, uh, as, as young kids in, the, in their teens, even when they were at Bible school, they were kind of like ready, fire, aim people, you know? We all have that friend that's like, all right, I'm convinced and I'm all in and they do everything they can and they don't really think it through. They just have a faith about them. My uncle Jim is a little more calculated and practical. He worked at a bank before he worked here. He was our CFO for 30 years. I'm thankful we had a CFO that was calculated and practical. That's probably a good thing. And uh, we don't let my dad around the money or me around the money. We let other people figure that out. But he, he saw it a little bit differently. He said, God, I want to sacrifice and I want to surrender. So I'm going to start with 3%. So he just gave 3% of his income and he watched God bless that. And he watched God multiply it. And he said, all right, I'm going to bump up to 4% and five and six and all the way up to well beyond 10% today. And he just watches God multiply what he trusts him with. So here's maybe a great question to ask. Are you sowing where you want to be going? Are you sowing where you want to be going? It took some seeds that you planted in the ground and watered to get into debt. I've been there. It took some seeds that you put in the ground and watered to have relationship issues. 
to, to feel stuck. And so some of us need to go back in and rip that seed out of the ground first and say, I don't want that harvest. I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna keep sowing to that harvest because if you, slow, you sow to your flesh, you're gonna reap the flesh, right? But if we sow to the spirit, we'll reap to the spirit. So maybe the question is just, am I sowing where I wanna be going? My friend, Steve Zupo, uh, who's an awesome leader over at BC Boardman, I think it feels kind of like the State of the Union today, but I think we ought to give it up for Steve Zupo over in Boardman and here in Warren. We love Steve and Terry. If you could know all the areas in their life that they have sacrificed for God, it would blow you away. Some of them we'll never know until we stand before God face to face someday. And it makes me emotional to know what they have given and surrendered to God and trusted him through really tough times. But I was laughing because Steve, about a year ago, I don't know how it came up, but I was just, I think we were talking about the text to give app. Anybody that uses it knows what I mean. And so you just program in the number and you text the amount and you, you can tithe or give on there. Well, Steve was saying, you know, sometimes when I feel like the devil's attacking me or I feel like I'm down in the dumps, he said, sometimes I just give on the spot right there. It's not a lot, but sometimes I'll just take out my BC app and I'll just send $5 to the church and say, take that devil. And I was like, Steve, that's like, you know how some people stress eat? I was like, that's like stress giving me. And I kind of like that, you know, like, but let me tell you something. It sounds kind of crazy, but, but I like it because he's sowing where he wants to be going. And he's just saying, I'm not gonna let my situation or my circumstance dictate if I surrender. I'm surrendered and I will sacrifice to God's kingdom because I wanna live a big life and I wanna multiply. Some of us need to make room to multiply. I'm telling you, some of you right now, God's dealing with you. You're gonna join the dream team. You might need to sign up for growth track today because you need to be a part of using your gifts and serve here at the church. And God's been, he's been dealing with you the whole last year and you're thinking, well, it's a pandemic. No, we need you now more than ever. We got like 60% of our volunteer force can't come in right now. So there's some gifts on the inside of you and God's saying, what are you waiting for? Just step right up and use them. You won't be perfect. You won't have it all together. That's okay. None of our volunteers currently are perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. No perfect people allowed. Join the club. But maybe it's making some time. When, when Aaron and I have things that we value that are more important, we say, all right, well, what's less important? We'll eliminate that. And so this semester, we have some things we wanna do in connect groups that will take more of our time. So we're gonna eliminate some less important things so we can prioritize God. When Aaron and I wanted to start giving more than our tithe, then we looked at our budget and we said, all right, how do we make room for this miracle? I could tell you we had some fluff in there because we like Starbucks and we like Chipotle and we love DoorDash. And so I'm just telling you, when you put that first in the priority, it makes your decisions for you as you go down the budget sheet. How are we making room for a miracle? Just start with what you have. All right, here's the third and final thing. Jesus took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it, and then here's the fun part. Then he multiplied it. And I don't want to spend long on this one because I want the emphasis to be on he multiplied it. Because at the end of the day, this boy couldn't make the miracle happen. He could participate in the miracle. God needed him to bring what he had and surrender it to God. But at the end of the day, it was Jesus that was multiplying the bread and the fish. At the end of the day, we can take all of the pressure off of ourselves because we don't have the capacity or the ability to multiply our money. We don't have the capacity or the ability to multiply the people that God's entrusted to us. That's God's job. And sacrifice is transferring ownership. And so when I sacrifice and I give to the church, I'm transferring ownership. I'm just saying, God, I don't know where this money is gonna go or how it's gonna be used. I know a little bit, but I just trust that as I give it to you, you're gonna do what you see fit with it. And I just pray you would take this little bit and stretch it to make, go, make it go further.
This is what they would do in the Old Testament, that when they would make a sacrifice, their greatest valued possessions were their herds and their cattle. And so is it any wonder that God would require cattle of them to sacrifice? It was valuable. And when they would give it up, they were transferring ownership. They were saying, God, this used to belong to me, but now it belongs to you because it really always belonged to you anyways. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at every campus online. If you wanna live a multiplying life, there's never been a greater opportunity to do it than right now. I think the enemy always tries to get us to delay our destiny, delay our obedience. Ah, oh, you can do that tomorrow. I can't tell you how many people I, I talk to that they tell me when I see them in the store, I, I talk to them through text, they'll say, yeah, man, I was just about to come to church this weekend, that's crazy. It's always next week, it's always, it's always tomorrow. The Bible says today is your day of salvation. The enemy would love for you to delay your destiny. God would love for you to walk in it in obedience right away. Just to say, I'm all in. And so every person in this room and within the sound of my voice, God's gonna lead us to surrender and sacrifice in a different way. I talked to somebody that was on our staff that just moved on. His name is Matt. And we were talking this year and we would have loved to have kept him forever, but he just kept praying and fasting and asking God. And he said, my sacrifice is to move to Florida, to go to school, to, to uh, get my degree in theology. And I'm so proud of him. He's just taking a step. He's surrendering and sacrificing right where he is. Some of you, it's to serve. Some of you, it's to give. Some of you, it's to just say, I'm all in again. I'm back. I'm running with Jesus. There's no shame but we have to make the decision. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer at every campus. If you can't remember a moment in your life where you initially said, God, I surrender to you. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, then today's your day. Maybe you've prayed it already, but today's your day to come back. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And this isn't about if you belong to a church or have you been baptized, those are good things, but those things won't get you to heaven. We live in a world that will try to tell you, you can get to God in any way you choose and just any different religion, they all worship the same God. No, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the gate, Jesus is the door. And so if that's you, you can't remember a moment in your life where you gave Jesus complete surrender. You said, Jesus, you can be in the driver's seat. You're calling the shots. Today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. There are so many people that have already prayed that in every location, and I would ask you to repeat this prayer with me so we can pray along with them. Can we pray this together all over, wherever you're watching from? Say, dear God, thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you that he hung on a cross and took my sin, became sin, paid the price for sin so I could be righteous so I could be right with you. From this moment on, I won't be perfect, but I'll take a step every day. I'm all in. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. 
And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.